Hey there, and welcome to Better Advertising with Better AMS, a podcast to help grow and scale online brands through our interviews with inspirational brand founders, as well as us advertisers who are fighting in the trenches of ad console daily. My name is Justin Knuckles, and I'm your host. Joining me today is our Amazon ads expert from Guatemala and a veteran from the private label side of Amazon, Gabrielle. I'm excited to get our podcast rolling again with Gabrielle's help. So without rambling too much longer, let's welcome in G. Justin, it's a pleasure to be here today and speak with you about everything Amazon ads across the world. I'm very excited to dive into the international side of ad management. Um, We're coming off the heels of Amazon Accelerate up in Seattle. And it's always a blast going with you because you hit the floor and you manage ads three countries away, but everybody rushes to see you on the floor and knows who you are. It's really cool to see. Um, You've been in the Amazon space for quite a while. Uh, Let's just start there. What is your experience uh, getting into e-commerce and Amazon to begin with? Yeah, well, I actually got into e-commerce starting my own brand uh, back in like maybe 2015, 2016. Um, and I stole that brand before the pandemic hit around January 2020. I got probably super unlucky or super, or super lucky, depending on, depending on what perspective we look at. But I had been managing advertising for a while then, and I got the opportunity to join, to join the Better AMS team. And it's been almost, uh, I think, three and a half years now, and it'll be four years this March. So super, super blessed to be a part of this team and continue to learn. It's been a blessing, I think, for all of us to, to work with you. I mean, you've seen Better AMS grow through many stages and have seen a lot with clients. So um, it's always great to strategize with you and get in a room and just talk ads. So um, we're going to bring everybody else into that conversation exactly today. So wanted to ask you a little bit about managing internationally, because that's kind of your expertise is helping a lot of our clients in the Latin American countries, as well as in general, just international marketplace um, expansion. So introduce us to that yeah absolutely so let's uh let's don't go too far and let's compare what amazon advertising looks like in the us to what it looks like in places like mexico for instance uh, mexico's uh amazon mexico is one of the fastest growing marketplaces right now uh, alongside with probably the singaporean marketplace the japanese marketplace on, on the amazon.com um bubble and uh, if we look at those, uh, they are super up and coming. Like sponsor display was rolled out on 2021 on Amazon Mexico, for instance. So that's super new. There was not a lot of people running sponsor display ads back then. And Amazon plays a little bit different with things like search results, for instance. So if you go onto Amazon.com.mx and you search for things like detergent or toothpaste. Um, we won't see the typical structure where you see sponsor brands headline ads, headline ads first, and then you see uh, sponsor products top of search. Amazon plays a little bit different with that, and they'll showcase the typical sponsor brands headline ad, but they won't show any sponsor products uh, top of search across. I would say now it's kind of 50 50 in the beginning. Amazon wouldn't show any uh, sponsor products top of search placements, which is interesting because they were kind of. If you look at it this way, they were kind of trying to push brands to get brand registry so that they could get actual brands to sell on Amazon and start showcasing, you know, custom imagery and get their logos up and get their storefronts built. Um, like they, are, they were trying to kind of use a filter to have to have people purchase that kind of ad inventory and go 
and go dominate the, the entire the entire uh, the entire search results. There's quite a bit to take away from that for a lot of people listening. That's a lot different from just U.S. Um, selling and, and advertising. First off, the ad products that we have available to us uh, are not always a one-to-one uh, carryover. Sponsored display being the perfect example. That being yeah. just brand brand new to a lot of sellers uh, in Mexico. So. How do you tailor strategy uh, with all that being said, additionally, not having the same top of search tools that we we would use to try to get that above the fold placement with ads? How do you tailor strategy a little bit different given you know these differences across the marketplaces? Yeah, there are, there are definitely, um, we have to definitely pivot on certain approaches we would typically tailor, let's say. On the US, we would typically go for a single keyword campaign structure on sponsored products to try to, you know, right. get the get the hang on, on what's the what's the conversion rate at the keyword level and monitor more closely impression share, stuff like that. On an international marketplace like Mexico, yes, that works. We will probably get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, ser- rest of search data rather than top of search data just based off how Amazon is structuring the search results. But uh, there is also sponsor brands impression share data available for sponsor brands headline ads. So we can get a good idea on whether we're dominating top of search results, at least from a sponsor brands perspective, before we before we decide to uh, go ahead and, and go ahead and you know pivot or 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 iterate from that strategy to another strategy. In um, terms like sponsor display or competitor targeting in general, it's super interesting because we still see to this date super super cheap cpcs uh compared to the us or probably any other any other marketplace uh we typically see a really good ROAS, and that gives us the opportunity to you know if we want to go ahead and uh compete against colgate or or lb brands like that uh you know we will probably pay pennies on the dollars for what we would pay in the us to showcase across these products or these catalog product detail pages or or search results, depending on depending on how aggressive with it, but we could still get super cheap. And is that specific to Mexico, or do you see that in general with a lot of international marketplaces? So these would still apply to probably Mexico, Spain, Italy, um, in the UK, um, across supplements, as well as in Germany. We have seen uh, CPCs start to you know increase. Uh, year by year, and they're probably super similar to the U.S. by now. Um, but all of the all of the rest of these marketplaces I mentioned, they are still super cheap compared to compared to the compared to their comparable peers, which would be the U.K., Germany. They are they're quite quite pricey by by now. And you see similar ad performance, like you said. If if ROAS is just as strong, if not stronger, I mean that must mean conversion rates for um, you know the English keyword are the same as roughly the Spanish keyword. Um, so you're seeing similar ad performance in general. It's just c- cheaper CPCs. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good call up. So conversion rate is probably a lot lower. Um, so if we're used to see a, or we're super used to see probably a range between 10% and 20% conversion rate across the board in the U S and we would be super aggressive on stuff. That's not performing probably above 8%, 8% and above or 7% and above, we would take it down or probably bring our bits down because it isn't as good as, as other keywords, you know, performing above 10% or so. While in Mexico, Spain, Italy, we can get a lower CPC, but also that also comes with a decrease in CVR. So uh, a good comparison would be if we get a $1 CPC in the US, 
we can probably get a 15, 10 cent CPC in Mexico. But in terms of conversion rate, we can get a 10% 10 conversion rate in the US and that translates into probably a 2% conversion rate in Mexico. Um, not because not because the purchase intent isn't there, but because um, you know, just just for now, that's that's just how that, that just that's just kind of the benchmark we have on on how fast things convert. At least looking at a category level, right? If we would transition that into brand, it probably looks different. If we would just analyze competitor alone, but here, uh, you know, taking taking that perspective of just looking at the category keywords, that's that's what we're looking at. But you know, the the CPCs are so cheap, you know, they they compensate that decreasing in CBR and it still turns to be a, a really good ROAS. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. If Even if your conversion rate's really low, cheap CPCs can potentially make up for that and still turn out a profitable keyword or target. Um, I'm curious, have you ever looked at the brand metrics side um, of those international marketplaces to see how you know competitor and category conversion rates look compared to your brand? Similar to how we do in the US and say, you know, Last week we saw a big bump in conversion rate. Did our competitors see the same? We go to brand metrics to answer that. Have you done the same in Mexico or these other marketplaces? Is it a lower conversion rate in general for everybody? So there is a lower com a lower general conversion rate for everybody, but at the same time, uh, there there are there are, you know probably brands there there's a reduced number of brands taking advantage of the international marketplaces opportunity, especially the bigger brands, the Procter & Gamble brands, the Nestle brands. And they're getting, um, you know, it's like, it's like the top 1%, right? The top 1% right now in Amazon Mexico is getting probably 70, 80% of the, of the total, of the total sales for certain, certain categories. So the category top usually looks super strong in terms of CVR and in terms of, uh, awareness, consideration, stuff like that. But, uh, the category medium will look super weak because there is this group of sellers who are trying to start to sell abroad and they're considering maybe one or two of their main products and not necessarily um, their entire catalog. They are not allocating a portion of, the, of their budget towards search advertising so that they can you know, get their products moving, targeting more competitors, stuff like that. So category top remains super strong, like probably, probably what we see in the US across the board, really good category top uh, purchase rate consideration rate, awareness rate. In Mexico, it does look similar in that sense, like the top 1% is getting a lot of the traffic and a lot of the sales. Uh, but it's just probably these one, two brands that are still getting a really, really low CPC and, and, and a really, really low, a really, really good ROAS just because they are kind of, it's kind of a blue ocean still for for these brands and they're taking, they taking advantage of it. And some of them are, and some of them are, are not because if we look at, if we look at, if we go if we go category by category, we can spot really quick. Oh, oh the, the, no one's really taking care of this this uh, this category. The 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 sponsor brands search results don't don't even align with the products or with the keywords stuff like that, and they probably just have one or two autos running without without anything else than just hopes for for getting getting conversions. A lot of really good takeaways there um, in terms of fleshing out a full strategy behind your products to really measure, um, you know, what your performance is in Mexico compared to the U S that's a first off second off. I have a question because I'm not a Spanish speaker and you are, how, how does the marketplace yeah. look in general for a lot of these products on the SEO side, you know, as a shopper, when you hit, 
you know, a tied laundry detergent listing, does it look just as good as the comparable US English listing that, you know, a lot of their brands are comparing performance to? Um, are they set up for success? Yeah. Well, um, something I've seen is, I would say that the the way they showcase the images and the way they 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 work on the CEO and on the SEO is, is super similar. But category search on certain categories isn't as strong as uh, as uh, as uh, as it is in the U.S. right now. So a good example uh, would be uh, you know uh, the the toothpaste category. Mexico, the the Mexico market has probably more searches for Colgate than they than they do for toothpaste, and it's not because uh, to, like the, it's not because there's there's not huge demand for toothpaste itself, but people have this way of uh, not like built-in brand loyalty, but they do have a way for search of things where, where they go more direct towards the specific brand, or at least they, that's kind of the brand they're used to. So they are more likely to search for, you know, Colgate directly than search to than search for toothpaste. So if we would be working with a, with a, with one of their competitors or, or a new toothpaste in the space we would probably try to get some real estate and, and impressions from Colgate alone. And yes, we would need to re-educate the customer on that. But that's that's what we have seen that, you know, across, looking at looking at what are the keywords that get the most traffic category by category, brand loyalty is strong. Uh, probably a lot of the efforts you have seen over years in the US uh, have been replicated in, in Mexico or across different types of advertising. And we do see that reflected on Amazon nowadays. Um, demand for or search volume for uh branded keywords it's it's super strong it's huge and uh the category searches are trying to trying to pick up uh but they're they're just not as strong as, as branded searches so kind of a tangent takeaway i have is should brands be focused on running brand awareness campaigns a lot of sponsored brand video lifestyle custom images and videos should that be a focus when you're going international for a lot of these I'm not going to say small brands, but mid-size, not those enterprise omni-channel brands like Tide and Colgate. For omni-channel brands, like they got the amazing opportunity to just showcase all of their different products uh, across branded searches if they align. Uh, they can introduce new products because that demand's already there for, for omni-channel brands. Uh, for new brands, let's say a brand just raised uh, $2 million. We have seen cases like that, right? And they want to enter Amazon Mexico. They have the chance to go after these uh, omnichannel brands uh, keywords because first, CPCs are still cheap. Second, they are super likely to not be protecting those search results. So they got uh, so they got the chance to not just have cheaper CPCs, but probably start collecting impressions sooner than they, than they would expect or sooner that they would those uh, impressions and conversions in the U.S. Uh, and at the same time, just showcase why why the brand is better than the one they're searching for. Uh, and that's like something if if we would that's something that if we would try implementing in the U.S., we, it would either be super expensive or it would just not work. Right. Like it, we, you, we would struggle to get impressions and to get clicks as you as you continue increasing your bits to, to try to collect data um, at, at the at, at very specific branded keywords. So. There, there are opportunities in, in both sides there. Omnichannel, I've seen some really, really cool things uh, by, um, I, I can I can throw this, uh, I can throw in this example, uh, Birdman. That's a, that's a born um, in Mexico protein brand. 
and uh, they are not anybody take mark. They are not letting anybody take market share on their protein uh, category keyword and on their protein branded keywords. And they are doing a good job showcasing across, uh, showcasing the different available ad types, sponsor brands, custom image, uh, sponsor brands video. They're showing top of search well, where they can on sponsor products. Um, and they are they are they are an Amazon native brand, uh, still protecting a lot of their real estate on Amazon, as well as trying to get some some uh, impression share caught on the category keywords. Um, but if we would go again, category by category, we would see that there's still a lot of opportunity for both omnichannel and and uh, and up and coming brands to take over those placements. Sure, sure. And have you seen those creative ad types do well? Um, specifically, like I was mentioning video and custom image. Have you seen those do really well in uh, the international setting with either new to brand rates, uh, awareness and impressions like we're talking or or even ROAS if that was the goal? Yeah, um, I would I would say so. Yeah, in terms of in, ter in terms of uh, in terms of generating an impact, I think um, we we can collect data super quick in that sense because we are seeing uh, people click on our ads when we're advertising against that competitor. Um, and that's, you know, that's just the callow that people first in the first place show interest in the product. Second, that they were, we were able to drag their attention and, and jump from searching from one brand to click on another. Um, and that tells us a lot about how, how willing they are to, uh, exchange brands. And we have seen stats on this, uh, 30, 40% of people are, are, are willing to test a different brand while surfing on the platform. So there's, there's still opportunities of of a stealing market share in that sense. Uh, but yeah, in general, depending on the strategy, right, uh, we have seen a good pace of new to brand customers when when running this this approach. And uh, in terms of awareness, well, uh, as long as we're getting the clicks um, away from another competitor, that's cool and good enough to tell us uh, that we're doing it that we're doing a good job there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good call out here while we're talking custom image creatives um, to, to make sure if you're going to implement any of these, obviously making sure that your video assets are tailored to that audience, meaning the appropriate language, um, any text on the video, making sure that that's translated. So um, I know I've run into issues, um, you know, where you didn't watch the video fully and maybe there's one keyword um, at the end of the video. And so getting that swapped out. On that point of translations, how do you go about doing keyword research or carrying over your current targets in the U.S. to uh, Mexico or any other um, you know Spanish marketplace? How do you go about doing that translation process and keyword research process? Yeah, that's a that's a that's an interesting question because you know there is a so just like in the U.S., there's a good amount of of uh, of uh, native Spanish speakers. Uh, I'm, you know, you, we could go ahead and, and, and go, in a, go into a rabbit hole of whether we should have Spanish keyword campaigns across the U.S. or not. But the thing here is uh, within the Mexican marketplace, there's also a good amount of uh, maybe not native Spanish, uh, English, uh, English uh, speaking people, but they have adopted English as a second language, whether they live in the U.S. or not. So a lot of these search results, if we will look into like search terms for headphones, like let's say uh, we have this split between headphones in Spanish and headphones in English, um, and we might want to have ads for those for for those both for both of those. Um, but you know, ideally, 
usually when, when onboarding a, a new client in the Mexican marketplace, yes, we could translate part of those, uh, probably manually looking to those keywords before, before, before uh, submitting a new campaign, just to make sure that the translations are done right. And at the same time, we will collect the uh, search terms upon those initial keywords, so we'll get a better idea of what the of what the cost of what the users actually use for for um, finding our our products and our catalog or our brand. Um, and when that happens, we typically see that mix. Uh, you wouldn't expect it, but you do see uh, a good mix between keywords in English, keywords in Spanish. Um, and uh, of course, uh, Spanish keywords will predominate, but but there's there's an interesting mix depending on the category too. So there's no reason to wait to translate your whole you know target list to get started in Mexico. You can start out with your best performing English targets and possibly probably see success. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, Amazon has done a, a good job on you know taking a search term and translating translating that search term whether your browser is set in Spanish or in English or depending on your location. So even if you would start off with your with your with your English keywords, they would they would translate it for you. And Amazon if you go manually onto the campaign creation process, Amazon will also allow you to translate your keywords into Spanish once you are uh, just right there within the campaign creation process with a button you can translate your keywords onto onto the local uh, marketplace language and you can and you can take it from there too. Uh, but I would still try both and, and see what happens and start collecting data from there. Yeah, oh, sh uh, the Amazon product team, a shout out here for that translation feature because that has saved uh, me being a native only, English native only speaker um, to being able to launch campaigns across various European marketplaces and um, even some Spanish speaking marketplaces. So that is a great feature if, if you don't have a, a multilingual team member on your on your brand. What are you looking forward to here in the international setting? Um, any new rollouts, any new ad types, betas, uh, maybe that people are already familiar with in the US, like we were saying earlier, sponsor display. Is there anything really new in the, the Mexican marketplace that um, you know, you're getting excited about? Well, um, we want to still collect more data on what our sponsor display storefront video type of search look, look, looks like. Uh, because again, Amazon has been playing a lot with what search results can look like in, in, in Mexico. And, uh, initially we didn't have any sponsored products at inventory within top of search. Now we do across a good amount of categories, which is good, uh, because, you know, word in the street is, word in the street is, uh, a lot of, uh, one of the best ways to incentivize organic ranking is through sponsored products, exact match, uh, campaigns. Um, but you know, sponsored brands, uh, storefront top of search it's 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 something different right it's video it immediately drags your attention it's a stop scroller for sure and uh we still we have seen that rolled out across across a few categories but we want to see more of it and we want to see what 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 it does look like when when launching it at scale i think that'll be a, a very interesting exercise and in the us uh you know we've seen good results of it because you know it's just I mean, it's just a huge banner, right? I think it's even, in terms of pixels, I think it's even bigger than the usual sponsor brand's headline ad or even with custom images. So we want to see we want to see more of that. Sponsor display was rolled out again 2021. Uh, it was kind of new uh, for a lot of people, even if they had tried it, even if they had tried it in the US before. But since it doesn't represent a huge portion of advertising sales, uh, it, didn't move, it, didn't, it didn't move the needle too much, although we have seen, we have seen good 
good results out of it. And the tools we have in terms of remarketing from, from that particular ad type, they're, they're huge, but in terms of total sales, um, you know, it doesn't move the needle as, as good as sponsor brand speedio could. But no, like we were saying earlier, I mean, brand awareness, especially in the Mexican marketplace and international marketplaces could be huge. That sponsor display video type could be, could be massive in terms of just brand awareness growth, um, and branded search volume growth Yeah. on that point. Um, top of mind, if you have any case studies, um, not to name names, but, um, have you any experience? Can you point to any case studies that you can look back to yourself and say, you know, this brand came over to the Mexican marketplace and over the course of six months, a year, we saw them, you know, really become a top brand in the category or see a large, you know, additional revenue growth outside of just the U S. Um, any success stories you have on international expansion? I do. I do have some. Uh, the 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 top of mind, the the brand that comes at the top of my head right now. It's a, a brand we relaunched in the Italian marketplace. Uh, they operate across the world, but this one uh, was very particular. That this marketplace was very particular because they didn't have, uh, like, they were doing a relaunch because they had they had a they had a, a suspension. Something happened, right? And we had to relaunch. And we got and we got hired to to take their relaunch and uh, and uh, we did it basically from zero, right? And the same metrics apply. Yeah. We got access to the same tools. We got access to the same monitoring, impression share, impression rank, um, search term reports, of course, um, checking out their results from within the targeting tab. Like we have all of these um, options available, um, just like we do with with the U.S. Right? Uh, but it's but it's everything in Italian, like you said, like. Uh, I'm, I'm bilingual, but by no, but I, like I, I speak zero Italian, right? So, so I, I still need to rely on certain like translate formulas upon upon spreadsheets to understand to understand where we're heading. Um, but very similar scenario, like we had 20 cents CPC across the board. Uh, we had our CPC at 80 cents for a while, while we uh, while we collected data and we were more aggressive showing up across across uh, sponsor sponsor products results. Um, we we were able to quickly, you know, start winning top of search placements because CPCs historically are, are low in, in Italy. And over time our, 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 our organic ranking started to pick up across our top keywords. And through, I think it was like through two lining deals combined with uh, our efforts on the advertising side, we were able to come back to I think we are right now at like six viewers a week, which is really good. And uh, and uh, now we're, it's just about replicating that across across the rest of the EU. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the success story I have top of my top of my head right now. And you know, if we would consider launching from scratch uh, in this category in you know, in marketplaces like the UK or the US, the story would have. The, the success story would probably have taken much longer or uh, the brand would probably uh, probably they would have probably stopped from from continuing because at the beginning you 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 had to be super aggressive to get to get results going and sometimes if the CPC is too, too expensive brands will kind of hold from from proceeding with with uh, with a uh, with an execution like that because they can feel it's they can feel it's too risky or they can feel it's just too expensive. They'll try it from outside of Amazon, but that's not the case across these these marketplaces. Yeah, no, I mean it is more expensive to do a lot of those big brand awareness ranking pushes in the U.S. compared to internationally, and the demand volume may not be as big in Italy uh, as it would be in the U.S. But that 
same dollar amount, if you're going to invest it on marketing, probably going to go a lot further internationally because again, those CPCs are so dang cheap. Um, so it's a really, really cool success story. How long did that take in general from like starting with this brand to kind of seeing a, a point of, wow, we're actually seeing success now. Was it six months, a year? How long did that take? No, we, we probably, we probably, it probably took us around eight weeks total between like doing zero revenue a week to doing uh, six figures. Um, there were, there were certain important things like aligning or bid increases with aligning deals. Um, the first one, we aligned them in a way that we could cover all of the keywords, all of the important keywords we, we would need to show up for. And then the second one, we slowed down a bit because organic ranking has had climbed up a little bit so that we could allow people to click on the organic rank first and uh, find the ad second if in case they would skip on that, skip on the organic organic result. Um, and that, that, that was the way we made our, we made our way through. That's really impressive. Eight weeks is a fast turnaround. And this was again, given no knowledge of the Italian language using, you know, Amazon translate features and, and Google, uh, translate formulas. That's very impressive. I, I have to say though, that these, like this brand got suspended, right. Uh, in this particular marketplace and they had already a good product, a good amount of reviews. Um, talking about expectations here, right? They had a good amount of reviews, like thousands of reviews. And by the time we relaunched these brands, uh, it was about getting the visibility, the traffic, and the organic ranking back in place. Um, and it, and it, uh, and that the combination of these things, the intersection of these of these things happened, uh, and we got back back in back at full speed with them. Yeah, thank you for resetting expectations here. I think that's what Amazon just calls retail ready. A lot of people launch with no ratings, no reviews, brand new, and they're like, "Why am I not selling well? Why is my ROAS, you know, point two? Yeah. And, and, and there is there is nothing wrong with with launching like that. It's just that's just the way to launch when you got a new product. Right. But in, in this particular case, like we needed to go back to last year's numbers because there was like sales history, so we needed to be at last year's performance or better thankfully we're we're doing we're doing better than last year now with now with the now with the relaunch completed um but it was it was an established brand they were already making making money and uh and they they were they were not launching by scratch there's there's i don't think there's there might be a way or two to get to six figures in a week or two uh but in this case it was a brand that already had some of that history they just lost the the, the sales for, for a couple of months and they were starting from basically zero. Well, we're definitely going to have to get into, um, the conversation around Spanish, um, campaigns in the U S so leveraging that to really tap into a Spanish speaking audience in the U S I think would be a super fun conversation for us to get into next time. But, um, until then, thank you so much for being here today, dude. It was a great, uh, catch up and collaboration session. It was a pleasure to be here and speak with you. Justin. Well, have a great rest of your week, man. We'll talk soon um, to everyone else. Cheers. And thank you so much for being here.